Hi guys, it's the ghost. This is a very unsettling story. It's the disturbing case of Shelly Nautic, the serial killer mom who brutalized her own family. In addition to abusing and humiliating her daughters, Shelly Nautic would open her home to wayward friends and family in order to manipulate and torture them to death. Michelle or Shelly Nautic appeared to lead a charmed life. Everything looked good. She had a caring husband by her side and was raising her three daughters in a home in rural Raymond, Washington. The couple was known for their selflessness and invited struggling friends and relatives to live with them. But then those guests, somehow they began to disappear. The first person to vanish in Nautex care was her old friend, Kathy Loreno. They had lived together in Nautek's home for five years before she disappeared in 1994. Nautek assured anyone who asked that Loreno had simply started a new life somewhere else. She said this when two other people vanished from her home as well. Hmm, quite a coincidence. Well, finally, Nautek's three daughters bravely come forward with a harrowing tale. All three of them had been physically abused by their parents and their guests, they were killed. They said Nautek had starved, drugged, and tortured her victims, forced guests to jump off the roof, drenched their open wounds in bleach, and made them drink urine. Shelly Nautek, she goes into prison in 2004, and she's released in November of 2022. So just giving you guys a heads up, she's back out there. How do you feel about that? Her daughters are terrified of what could happen next. You know, we hear about these serial killers, these awful, brutalizing maniacs that get out. We don't think of it much because it's just, you know, it's over there. Well, Shelly's out. You know, think of all, all the criminals that get out every single day like Shelly. They're, they're out and they're right with you. They could be at your grocery store when you head there later today. We just don't know. It's kind of unsettling, isn't it? Something that we just don't want to think about. Well, let's talk about Shelly. She was born in April of 1964, and she never went too far from her hometown of Raymond, Washington, not even after her 18-year prison stint. I mean, even after that, she's just two hours away from right where she grew up. She was the oldest of three siblings. She and her brothers lived with their mentally ill and alcoholic mother, Sharon, and this was during their early years. Now, on top of her love of alcohol, she was also involved in a dangerous lifestyle that some of her family believes means she may have been a prostitute. In any case, the home was far from the stable, all right? Then when Shelly's six, their mother seemingly just abandons them. Rather than caring for her younger brothers, however, she torments them. The children went to live with their father. He's Les Watson, and he has a new wife, Laura Stallings. Watson, he's described as this charismatic, successful business owner. And his wife, Laura Stallings, well, she's this stunning beauty, you know, very representative of, you know, nice-looking 1950s America. Well, Shelley, she doesn't like Laura Stallings and frequently tells her stepmother how much she actually hates her. Now, when Shelley's 13, Sharon Todd Watson dies. And as Les described it, 
Sharon was living with a man at the time. They were homeless drunks living on Skid Row, and she was beat to death. Well, Shelly, she doesn't ask anything about the murder. It's like it didn't even happen, and she doesn't care. Instead, she continues to torment her brothers, and she starts blaming them for missing homework or picking fights. It didn't help that her brother Paul couldn't really control his impulses. He lacked you know, social skills. Her older brother Chuck, he never spoke up for himself. Shelly was the one that did all the talking. She was the ruler of that roost. But it even went beyond that, you know, beyond the childhood bickering. Stallings later would say, Laura Stallings, that Shelly used to chop up bits of glass and put them in the bottom of the kids' boots and shoes. You have to ask yourself, what kind of person would do that? All right, well, in March of 1969, Shelly is 14. And Shelly showed what she was really capable of. I mean, she was really coming out at this point as what she truly was. Okay, so she doesn't come home from school and panicked. Stallings and Watson, you know, dad and stepmom, they call the school and they're told that Shelly was at juvenile detention. And, you know, that's bad enough, but it doesn't even come close to what was really going on. Shelly Nautek was not in trouble. She had accused her father of rape. Stallings later discovers a dog-eared copy of True Confessions in Shelly's room with the bold headline on the front reading, I was raped at 15 by my dad. A doctor's examination later confirms Stallings' suspicion that Shelly lied about this rape. She's taken to multiple sessions with a psychologist, both on her own and with her family even, but they proved unsuccessful. Shelly refuses to accept that she's anything but innocent. Well, eventually she goes to live with Stallings' parents, but unfortunately she continued to try to ruin the lives of the people around her. Her tantrums continue. She offered to babysit the neighbor's children only to barricade them in their rooms with heavy furniture. She even falsely accused her grandfather of abuse. But then, you know, Shelley grows up. And what is she like then? Does she grow out of it? Well, no. Her household was full of brutal abuse. Her first victim moved into her home in 1988. And he was her 13-year-old nephew, Shane Watson. Shane's father, a member of a biker gang, he's in jail. His mother, she's destitute and unable to care for him. Natek takes to torturing Watson almost immediately. She dubbed her style of reprimanding him as wallowing, in which she employed for things as negligible as going to the bathroom without asking. Wallowing involved ordering this boy, and her own daughters for that matter. She would make them stand outside in the cold, and while they're standing there freezing, she'd dump water on them. I mean, that's, that's part of what she used to do. Shelley took even more pleasure in humiliating her oldest daughters, Nikki and Sammy, by ordering them to give her handfuls of their pubic hair. And sometimes, as they're wallowing, they were put in a dog kennel, caged up. Once, Shelley shoved Nikki's head through a glass door. I mean, if anyone was caught doing that, can you imagine what would happen to them? The only person in the home that Shelly did not torture at that time was her infant daughter, Tori. Of course, that would change later. In the meantime, she forces her nephew and Nikki to dance naked together 
and she just sat there and laughed at them. After torturing her children and nephew, she would then drop love bombs of this, you know, total affection, you know, making fun of someone. Sometimes, you know, this happens and people even say bad things about someone like you're, you're crazy or all of this only to even minutes later, come back and say, I love you so much. You mean so much to me. In today's world, we have enough information that anyone should know. That's a problem. Well, in December of 1988, only a few months after Shane moves into the house, Shelly opened her doors for another person in need, Kathy Loreno, an old friend who had lost her job. Okay, Shelly greets her longtime friend as she greeted most people in her life, warmly and positively. But Lorena would soon find out, as many others had before her, that Michelle Nontek's mask was about to come off. Lorena quickly became another one of Shelley's victims. But with nowhere else to go, she acquiesced to performing forced labor in the nude, being fed nightly sedatives, and sleeping next to the basement boiler. I mean, how could you put up with that? How does this happen that you... Go to stay at a friend's house because you need some time. You need, you know, to catch up to yourself. Everything seems fine. And now you're doing labor in the nude, sleeping in the boiler basement. I mean, how does this person not walk out? How do they fall into this? Well, the answer is Shelly was fierce. It comes down to the fact that the victim has no other options. Over the course of nine years, Shelly Nautek murdered three people that were close to her. All right, well, by this time, Loreno, she had lost more than 100 pounds. Her body was covered in bruises, cuts, and sores. After one particularly brutal beating, she was left unconscious, just left in the basement. Shelly left, but David heard this guttural noise coming from the laundry room, and he finds Kathy choking on her own vomit. Her eyes are rolled back in her head. David flips her onto the side, started scooping the vomit out of her mouth with his fingers, but it was too late. After five minutes of CPR, there's no denying, Kathy Loreno, she's dead. And later, David would say, well, I know I should have called 911, but with everything that had been going on, I didn't want the cops there. I didn't want Shelly in trouble or the kids to have to go through any trauma I didn't want this to ruin their lives. I didn't want to ruin our family, and I just freaked out. I didn't know what to do, he says. When Michelle learns of Loreno's death, she convinces her spouse and the kids that each of them would be incarcerated if they told anyone. At his wife's command, David Nautek burned Loreno's corpse, and together he and Shelly sh scattered the ashes, of course. If anyone asked, Shelley simply explained that Loreno had run off with her lover. Shane, however, recognized the real horror of what was going on in his environment, which is why, in February of 1995, he makes plans to escape, to get out. Shane had taken photos of Kathy while she was still alive, malnourished and beaten, living in their cold basement next to the radiator. He showed Nikki the photos and told her his plan, he was planning on going to the police and showing them everything. But Nikki, she's scared of what might happen. She tells her mother about the photos. And in retaliation, Shelley commands that David shoots Shane in the head and he does it. 
Like the Reno, the couple buries Shane's body in their yard and they scatter his ashes over the water. Later, the kids would say that the reason why their mom was able to control Dave was because he was weak. He had no backbone. I mean, it takes a lot for someone to have control over another person. So this isn't like it could have happened in one day. This is something that happens over time and you kind of get, you're not in control of your own self. You're doing what is requested of you. Now the Notex, they take one more victim, Shelly Notex friend, Ron Woodworth, who moved in in 1999. And like the others, it didn't take long for, you know, they, they start abusing him. It's like their thing. Woodworth was a 57-year-old gay veteran, and he also had a drug problem. He had an ugly low life. That's what Shelley would tell him. He could really use a steady diet of pills and beatings to get his life together. Yeah, she has the solution. She did not allow him to use the bathroom, and he was forced to go outside. In 2002, Natek Shelley also takes over the care of James McClintock, an 81-year-old retired merchant crewman who had reportedly wild Nautech his $140,000 estate once his black lab sissy died. And coincidentally, if you believe in coincidences, McClintock dies from a head wound that he allegedly suffers after falling in his own home. Police were never able to officially link Nautech to his death, but the suspicions are out there. Back at her home, Nautech demands that Woodworth cut ties with his family, she forces him to drink his own urine, then orders him to jump off of the roof. But he doesn't die from that fall. It's two stories. But he was badly injured. As a treatment, because now he's hurt, Natek pours bleach over his wounds. Can you imagine? In August of 2003, Woodworth succumbs to the torture, and he dies, finally. Shelley hid his corpse in the freezer, telling friends that he had gotten a job in Tacoma. David eventually buries him in their yard, but it was Woodworth's disappearance that led now 14-year-old Tori to realize what was really going on in her own home. Her older sisters had moved out by this point, but when Tori tells them what she believed was going on, they urge her to gather Woodworth's belongings so they could make the case to authorities, and she does it. And eventually, the Natek sisters, they turn in their mother. So, okay, police investigate the Natek property in 2003. They find Woodworth's buried body. David and Shelley, they're arrested in August of that year. While Tori was placed in her sister Sammy's custody, David confesses to shooting Watson, burying Woodworth five months later, and he's charged with second-degree murder for shooting Watson. He served 13 years. Michelle Nottock, Shelley, she's charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter for the deaths of Loreno and Woodworth, and she's sentenced to 22 years in prison. Nikki and Sammy, well, now they're in their 40s. They live in Seattle. Tori, however, she needed a change. She moves to Colorado. And, you know, this is where everything kind of scatters to the wind, right? We read about these crimes, there are documentaries, we watch shows about crime, and it's always so far away from us. And even though we know that there was this horrific thing that happened, there are extended victims. And we sometimes forget about that or we seem uninterested in what happens to those people that are affected by this, family members, friends, loved ones. 
they're the children they've moved away they have new lives and they're still dealing with this but for us all right shelly okay well we forget about her but we shouldn't these crimes are real and why we talk about them is because the same kinds of things are happening right now we just don't know about them yet and we haven't caught them but we will it's happening every day all around us this is just one example thank you for being here thank you for listening we all have the questions that's why we stay curious